Welcome to the Wellcast. Life is messy. We're here to help you sort it out. Welcome to another episode of the Wellcast. I am joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Mr. Jordan Hogue. Hey, I'm here. You're here. I'm here. We're just a couple guys talking just, about podcasting. Yeah, and people are still listening. So it's I, a, yeah, it's, thank you. Yeah, it's an amazing <laughs> thing. We hope that you guys are enjoying the Wellcast, and we know you're going to enjoy this episode as well. We are hanging out with Jake Soberall. He is the CEO of Bitwise Industries. Bitwise Industries worldwide. Yeah, and they're doing some great things in our city. And so we're really excited about this episode. He is uh, one of those guys that is truly leading leading in a big way, but he doesn't forget about his faith. And I love that about Jake. Yeah. I think one of the things that was super apparent to me in our conversation that we never said explicitly, but I mean, Jake's in a seat of power in his business and he's able to shape the culture and environment of the place that he's in. And sometimes we talk about like the idea of bringing our faith into the workplace as like you live differently so that then people see that and want to know about that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of us who aren't in seats of power, like, all you can do is just treat people the way Jesus would want it and then hope that they see that and are curious about why, right? Yeah. Some people, they don't have places of power. But Jake, he does, and what he's used that power to do is actually create and foster an environment that feels loving like Jesus. And so not only is he living differently in that environment, but he's able to ask the question of, like, if Jesus was going to create a business— that looks like the kingdom, that lifts up the least of these, that doesn't just like, you know, like the Facebooks of the world or all these giant mega tech corporations just say like the bottom dollar, the bottom dollar, the bottom dollar, people are a commodity. That's just how it is. Yeah. It says, how do we lift up people? And at times, you know, to our own detriment and to our own sort of slow moving paces that happens and, and mold a place that gives people dignity and opportunity. And I, I don't know. I think that's a really awesome way of, approaching the fact that you're i mean because he's a starter right right like he's the type of guy who just catalyzes a business you know do do does like starts the next thing do it like let's start the next thing uh, but he uses the gifts that god has given him to create an environment that feels accepting like this the table of jesus and i think what's great about this episode as we as we get into it is it really gives an opportunity for all of our listeners to ask the question well, what about me mm-hmm. because you know we're not all high-powered executives we're not all we don't we don't all have the the power or the the level of influence that Jake has in our city and yet we all have the opportunity to to live out our calling yeah and we all to, have spheres of influence yeah and to bring Christ into our everyday lives and and really to to center our everyday lives on him yeah. so that we love first mm-hmm. and everything happens out of that well and love. essentially your calling and your assignment is the same whether or not you're blending up drinks at Jamba Juice, yeah. or you're sitting in the seat of a CEO in a tech company. Yeah, we all have the opportunity to show Christ's love in everything that we do. And I think that was one of my takeaways from Jake, but I really appreciated the way that he looked at secular business and what he's been called to outside of his faith. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I think we're ready to get into this episode. Yeah, let's jump into this episode with Jake Soberall.
We are sitting down here with Jake Soberall. Jake, welcome to the podcast. How's your day today, Jake? Pretty great. No, I've been looking forward to, to coming in and talking, and uh, thanks for having me, guys. And yeah, we're excited to have you here. So, I mean, you lead a company here in town in Fresno called Bitwise. Tell us just a little bit about your work. Yeah, Bitwise Industries, we've been doing it since 2013, and the goal is really to see if we can use the technology industry and the opportunity it creates to serve folks that are living in some form of poverty or exclusion. And in general, what we do is in three parts. We teach people the skills they need to access that opportunity, which many times involves connecting them to non-technical resources, things like childcare and transportation, mental and physical health, compensation during the period of learning. And then from there, we hire many of them into our technology companies where they're building solutions for government and healthcare here and around the country and world. And the last thing we do is we try to build inspiring places. Sometimes we call them castles, beginning in Fresno and now in the cities we serve around the country that are these venues you come to that you didn't expect to belong in if you're coming from that story or you didn't expect to ever see in your city. And the hope is that that makes you feel as though you can do extraordinary things and you belong. Those three things are designed to first impact the individual and then when we do that enough time, start to impact the, the level of prosperity being enjoyed in the city. Yeah, and I mean, where did you guys start with all this in Fresno? Man, this this all started in I think probably 2012. It was a it was an ongoing conversation between myself and Irma Olguin, who's a co-founder of Bitwise. And both of us grew up here, and both of us left. You know that that common story of like kind of can't wait to get out. Yeah. Very different stories. So like both Irma and I are the children of Mexican immigrants. My grandfather was an ice cream man. Uh, my dad was the first to go to college. Uh, Irma grew up working in the fields in Carruthers, California, uh, rolling raisins. There's and, a town right outside of Fresno here, yeah. That's right, yeah. And and so for neither of us, the, the idea of going to college wasn't likely, let alone doing the things we are today. But before we got to all of that, we, we left Fresno, we experienced some other places, and both decided very intentionally to come back. Felt like this is where we mm. needed to be. And we came back and, and realized this burning desire in one another to, to really, like, beat the expectations in our city. Like we, there's a sense of we can only do this sort of thing or like mm -hmm. uh, if you want to do exciting things in technology or art, like those things don't happen here. Yeah. Uh, and we both had this sense that like there isn't any reason. Like we've got beautiful people and this wonderful history and, and we can do those sorts of things. And so that set us about to this question of, well, how? How could we, how could we use the tools we have to, to really transform our city? And that was the aim about eight years ago. Yeah. And I mean, I've gotten a front row seat to a lot of that over time. It's been cool to be your friend throughout that process. Another thing that I've gotten a front row seat to is just your development of faith. And, you know, I still remember you and your wife, Sarah, joining our life group. I mean, how long ago would that have been now? Like nine years? Or? Yeah, nine or 10 years. And so we've been friend for almost, friends for almost a decade, which is crazy to think about. But I would love to hear just, you know, Tell us about your faith journey over time and where you're at now, what God has you, where God has you right now. Yeah, I think I grew up really like culturally Christian. My dad grew up Catholic. My mom grew up in the Church of Christ. And so we, we did the Church of Christ thing for a while. We did the non-denominational thing in Southern California for a while. And certainly what I've identified is like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I want to go to heaven. Just sort of wrote memorization, repeating what my, my folks had taught me and, and what I was hearing in church. And went away to school on the East Coast and sort of began sort of questioning that, not not in a way of like, I, I want to dissociate from this, but in a way of like, well, what do, 
what is this? What role is this play in my life? Because I don't feel like my actions are super consistent with with a lot of the things that I would profess. And so that kind of continued through college. And, and, and then it was in law school, actually. I got married, my wife, Sarah, and I, uh, and we were living in Southern California. We started attending this church called Rock Harbor. And that, I would say, like really sparked something in us. Like it was this moment where we're like, this is way different. Like this is just <clears throat> an exciting relevant unpacking of scripture that was not a part of our upbringing. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, we moved back to Fresno very intentionally, the sense of calling, and we got introduced to the well. Initially, it was the Bible teaching, but then deeper than the Bible teaching was getting introduced to a community of people that we we said, we want to pursue Jesus the way those people are pursuing Jesus. Like, just like Christ looks really good on them, and we would love mm-hmm. to have that be what the world sees in us. And uh, so many impactful people in that, Andrew File, you, the the Ishes, and on and on, that, that were just such wonderful disciples for us. And then I think that the, the evolution that I'm living in now is what is the the most sort of radical and exciting expression of that, that faith that I can do for God today. Like how what what can I do that like reflects the kingdom today in this in this spot that I put put in? I think the important intervening event is I was an attorney here in town. Like I my my vision for my life is I'm gonna be an attorney and then I'm gonna be the mayor and then I'm gonna be the governor and then I'm gonna be president. Like that's the that's the plan. But there was this sense not long into the practicing of law that like this isn't where I'm supposed to be. And I had all sorts of like terrible ideas. Like I start, okay, well, I'm going to start this thing. Like at one point I'm like, I'm going to start a tomato canning business because a lot of the, the value add ag happens outside the valley. And I'm like that, that could be the thing. But what is wholly accidental in hindsight was that like God in putting Irma in my life, in putting the things of downtown and the things of poverty on my heart, in putting the Bible teaching I was getting here at the well on my heart, God was laying the seeds of what would become Bitwise, which is a way better idea than anything I thought of. And and it was only by like really like just Christ-centered courage that I was able to leap from the practice of law into that and now get to the point where we're thinking like, okay, so what what does this look like today in the work that we're doing at Bitwise, which is which is really exciting. I love I love that concept because you're you're connecting two really important things, right? It's your faith with your everyday life. And I think one of the things that stands out to me when you when you were talking about you know this this use the word call, mm-hmm. and we can use the word call in church ministry like it's a it's a calling to go into ministry, but I would argue, and I, I think the Bible would argue that everyone has a call on their life that the Lord is going to use them in in really big ways. And so, where was that leap for you? I, mean, I know you talked about you know being a lawyer or an attorney and and then having kind of got enter in. Mm-hmm. What did that look like for you? Like where was this? Where, where did God grab a hold of you and change the direction of what you were doing to to make it even more radical than you could have ever imagined? How did He put that in in, in your heart in your mind? Yeah, I think that there there are a handful of events. The first is I I just fell in love with this idea of downtown Fresno when I came back. Like. Mm-hmm. I was just passionate about it. And I was drawn to the argument that like Ashley Swearingen was making on behalf of our city that like if we want to have the sort of city that all of us imagine, doesn't matter if you lived in North Fresno, if you live in South Fresno, Southwest, Southeast, whatever you're imagining has at its center this robust like economic engine that, that downtown can only hold. And so that was really exciting to me. And so I think that's one component that sort of draws me to to this like civic engagement. I think another component is like God sent this like five foot nothing Latina from Carruthers into my life. And like she was just impressive in so many unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. Like 
And, and I honestly, like I fell in love with this person and like her view of the world. And I thought like, I just want to like, how can I work alongside of that? And, and we really were complementary in so many ways. And so I think, I think that's one piece. And then as the idea of Bitwise starts to form up, what we realize what's happening is so like my wife is, is pregnant with our first child. I've got mountains of student loan debt mm. and I've got, and I've got a great job. Like I would have definitely died wealthy. And there is this new thing that literally you couldn't find two people in Fresno who were like, that's definitely going to work. And what happened is, is I was talking about that with, with my wife, Sarah, we both had this just abiding confidence of like, yeah, I think we're going to do that. Like, and, and it was nuts. Like, it's really funny in hindsight, because even as I'm living through that, it's not like I'm a courageous person in the same life group was Jeff and Amelia Bennett. And at the same time, they are coming to life group and saying like, we're, we're I think we're going to start an ice cream shop and this is where we're going to love the city and community. And I was like, that's a really dumb idea. Yeah, I remember <laughs> just being like, that's never going to work. No, <laughs> and so like, <laughs> here I am, like, like I've got this newfound Christ-given courage for sure that I'm not even identifying as that. I'm just like, there's just something in me that's giving me that that confidence. But I'm looking at the guy next to me who's got that same thing happen to me. Like, he's yeah. an idiot. Another Will family. And now <laughs> yeah. Ampersand is like, yeah. you know, a staple of Fresno. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I know a part of my friendship and journey with you is like, even just seeing you enter your faith into your workplace, like one of the first, you know, longstanding Bible studies I was in was with you and a few guys at Bitwise in a conference room, yeah. you know, and then you've also helped lead a lot of other Bible studies. And that's like sort of a more explicit, like, hey, we're going to meet in the cafe, anybody's welcome in the morning type of thing that you may not blast out for email or whatever at your company, but it's there, Mm -hmm. you know? I'm wondering, you know, sometimes people have this sort of view of their work, like that's where I make money, Mm -hmm. that's God's gift to me, and then the church or my family, that's where I worship and lead from a Christian perspective. Mm. And so then, but I think biblically we see a model of like all of life is Christian, all of life is worship. And so then how does Jake's sort of faith and work meld together in the explicit and in the sort of implicit ways? Yeah, you know, if I'm being honest, like the, the Bible studies a bit was like, I, I love, those are for me. Like those yeah. are life-giving to me. And 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 those, we're doing a lot of 6 a.m. so we get their job. That's not so much me embedding that in my in my work. And I definitely grew up in that culture of like, my dad goes to work, that's where he makes money. And we go to church, that's where we serve Jesus. Like, and, and they're, they're totally separate. I think as like, as an adult and really like digging in here at the well and in other communities of faith here in our city, just like finding like, there's no support for that in scripture. Like I am as much on mission as Brad is. And so that really sort of began to erode away at these preconceived like worldly notions that get woven into your faith. And like, and for me, that was a big one. And, and so then it becomes like, okay, well, how, how do I blur the lines and even eliminate the lines between my faith and what I'm doing at work? And I think that so much of it at Bitwise was like God working in me. It had, there was not a, like, I sat down, I wrote out my theology for Bitwise, but in hindsight, what I've been able to, what we've been able to do that I think is most special is like, I think that we get a really clear picture in scripture that the kingdom is made up of people who have little here, right? That, that, that is God's vision of the kingdom, the poor, the excluded, the marginalized, the widowed, the immigrant, like that's, he's saying like, that's the kingdom, like explicitly and repeatedly. And so I think what we get to do a bitwise, and so if we say that that's the kingdom, if Jesus is saying that's the kingdom, he's saying that's the best, like that's, that's the gold standard. And 
those folks in Fresno, we relegate to the edges of our city. We relegate to the, the worst schools. We relegate to the worst opportunities, the worst air, the worst houses, all of those things. And so I think the hope with Bitwise is, is can we do something that allows us to realize and experience more kingdom on earth by serving those people and putting them in high places. And that feels, it feels base, like, like an expression of love. And it feels, once you sort of unpack it, like an opportunity to really, really live out scripture in a powerful way. Mm. Where do you feel like it gets hard? What are the hard spaces? I think the really hard and messy spaces are the ones where we're drawing, we, we spend a lot of time in like church community drawing really, really bright lines is where there are beliefs and lifestyles that are different than ours. And our first reaction is to like, is to like dig our heels in around those differences, which cut us off from the the beauty of that person. You know, an example, somebody who believes politically differently, somebody who is uh, gay, somebody who uh, is gender non-conforming. Like, I feel like our first reaction is to say like, I'm going to dig in my heels and like, you are other. Mm-hmm. When one of the really exciting things that we get to do at Bitwise is to say like, man, I just love you. I want to know more about you. And like, I'm just deeply curious, like your story. How did you get here? Where are the hurts? And the reality is, by and large, like power structures in our city are not asking those questions. They're not extending that love to those communities. And as a result, we never get to like the relational communion that God intended for all of us. And we miss out on beautiful people and we miss out on opportunities to demonstrate and be Jesus in the lives of entire communities in our city. And so I think that we lean into a lot of that. I know that we lean into a lot of that in Bitwise purposefully. And I think that a lot of people in the church, like I guess like a like a fear, a messy thing is like, I think a lot of people in the church see that and they're like, I don't know. When I really feel like that's the special spot that Jesus has us at. Yeah. And what I hear you saying is if we can first define ourselves as human mm-hmm. and not allow all the other false identities that we begin to start to define ourselves as straight, Republican, Democrat, to put up barriers, we actually have more access to people and therefore we have more access to share the hope that Jesus offers. That's right. That's right. I think that's exactly right. And it's the relationships that today I treasure that have been formative for me that I would have missed out on. Uh, The things that have drawn me closer to Jesus, Mm. even by unbelievers, which is just really neat to think about. And I love that the core of all of this is your faith, right? What you see in the Word of God. And so it's just really cool to see somebody living out their their calling in the secular world, not not being a pastor, but being being a, a minister of the gospel in wherever God has them. So I'm grateful for your story and, and excited for what the Lord has for you guys as you continue to work that out in our city. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, do you, um, if somebody's like wrestling with, hey, you know, maybe I haven't considered this before, do you kind of have parting words for them in saying like, you know, I mean, how would they start to tease this out in their business, in their job, in the in their workplace, not necessarily knowing where to start? One encouragement would be like that nothing is like too small. Then I think like from from there, like you never, ever go wrong with like loving first. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times, right, do we we have like a, a homeless person walked into our, our building and it's annoying and like or they're camped out in front. And it's messy or like this person on drugs, like just messed up a car in our parking lot. I'm just mad at that person or this immigrant like they don't speak the language. Like, what's the deal? And like 
we like automatically our first reaction is not love uh, and like if you just challenge and it, maybe today was the loss like maybe today like you encountered that story and you didn't do you didn't do well but like tomorrow like what does it look like to lead with love like what and yeah. and not just for you but for not just for that person like because that's that's a long play like you're not gonna love somebody in the parking lot who's who's high and all of a sudden they're like I'm done with drugs I love Jesus like right. it is gonna be but it, that's that's you it's gonna be you first it's gonna be like oh man like. Like I just, I was with that person for 10 seconds longer and I saw more of their hurt and that makes me sad. Like then, and now I'm closer to Jesus. Yeah, Jake, we're encouraged by what the Lord is doing uh, through you again and and grateful for you sitting down with us. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. This is a bucket list, man. I've been on the Wellcast. (laughs) This is awesome. More for us than you, I'm sure, but. (laughs) All right, thanks. I'll see ya. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wellcast. As always, don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about us. For more information about the Well Community Church, visit thewellcommunity.org.